Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I'm going to preach on a subject that I think everybody here can identify with. How many's ever been misunderstood? Okay. We were pastoring in Illinois, and I did a lot of revivals back in those days, so I was going to be gone for a week, and Joni's brother moved in with us. He was a young man, and I wanted him to spend some time with us and come to our church. I was pastoring. And so when I got home, I was walking down street, down the street in this southern Indiana town, and this lady kept hollering, preacher, preacher, I need to talk to you. So I stopped, and I went, and I said, yes. Said, do you know what your wife's been doing? And I said, what do you mean? Said, well, she, you were out of town, and she had another man in your house. We were misunderstood. And sometimes when you try to do good, or you, you want to be a blessing, people might look at you and totally misread exactly what you're doing. You know, probably the most misunderstood person in history was Jesus because the angel declared that he was born of a virgin and that he'd be there and he would be the savior of the world. And yet people, when they heard this, many of them misunderstood, said, oh, he can't be the son of God. Joseph is his father. And so they misunderstood, didn't they? And as a result of that, some of them missed exactly what God had planned for their life. They could not grasp that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and that he had come to save his people. And even though they heard the truth, they misunderstood it and missed exactly why he was there. Many of us have been misunderstood. Now, how many of you, raise your hand again, you've been misunderstood? But it doesn't change the fact we still need to do what's right. Can you say amen? Because in the kingdom of God, when you serve him, there's someone called the devil who accuses us and tries to get what we're doing look like something other than good. You invite a sinner to church. It just happened to me just recently. And I said, why don't you come out and worship me? He said, you're just after my your money, my money. And I said, you say you don't have any. You're sitting there begging. How, I'm not after your money. You're after my money. <laughs> Misunderstood. And so what we have to do is make up her mind that we're going to do the will of God and be who God wants us to be no matter what people think about us. Because the Bible warns us, if everybody speaks good of you, you better take inventory. So I, I'm thinking back in the book of 1 Kings of a prophet by the name of Elijah. How many's ever heard of Elijah? Here's a man that when he prophesied and said there'd be no more rain, the clouds shut up and it didn't rain. And the Bible said a great famine came upon the earth. And so people were desperate. They didn't have food. They didn't have water. They were looking, what am I going to do? 
And God said to him, I want you to go over to Zarephath because there's a lady there that's going to meet your need. Now, we know how it ends. But can you imagine being that lady and having a son? And just because the prophet prophesied that there's nothing and you're ready to make your last meal, you're going to eat it, you're going to die. See, God could have just sent something from heaven. Or God could have, when Elijah woke up, he didn't have to be hungry. God could have fed him. But I wonder what Elijah thought about after a while when the world was seen to be falling apart and people were desperate. Maybe he thought when he prophesied, I don't know this for a fact, but maybe he thought, well, God will give me something to eat and I won't have to worry. It's the rest I'm going to have a problem. But immediately, he has a problem. And I wonder maybe, could he have maybe in the thought, well, Lord, I could go over there. There's a widow lady, but she probably needs her food. So why don't you just send me a lunch right here? <laughs> and he could begin to reason and say, well, this isn't playing out the way I want it to play out. Have you ever had some in your life not played out the way you wanted it? So here's a man that because of his prophecy, everybody's suffering. And God said to him, I want you to go to a lady, and she's going to feed you. Now, here's a lady. She probably heard of Elijah, and she might even heard he prophesied there'd be no more rain upon the earth until he spoke the word. And maybe she's saying to herself, you know what? I'm a victim. This isn't fair. And where's God when I need him? But God knew where she was. He knew all about her. Maybe she had been praying. And God sees her need, sees his need, speaks to him to go because she's going to meet his need. But he has no idea when he's going there that a miracle's going to happen and both of them are going to have plenty. See, when you look at something, it doesn't always mean what you think it means. I remember one time praying for patience. I don't pray for patience often because I remember what happened. This girl came to my church, bless her heart. She was an accident looking for a place to happen. I mean, her life was totally messed up. And so I'd been praying for patience. And so she'd call me 10 times a day. That wasn't on the cell phone. That's when we used to have phones. You know what I'm talking about? And she kept calling me. And, I, and after a while, you know, I, I, I didn't want to help her. It's not that I didn't want to help. I wanted to help her, but she would not leave me alone. She said to me, you know what? The police keeps coming by my house. I think they're going to take me away. After me listening to her about three months, a police car passed my house, and I thought, they ought to take me away. Get me out of this situation. And then I said to Joni one time, we were talking, I said, you know, this is happening. She said, didn't you tell me you was praying for patience? I said, yes, I did. But through that, I learned to be patient. Really, I did get some victory. It was very hard, but I did. And so things happen in our life for our own benefits. 
And though we're going through those times and though those times seem like it's unfair, how many knows God's got us on his mind and all things do work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So here's Elijah going to this lady. And I don't, I'm trying to think today how I would feel if I'd been there. And I go and say, the Lord has sent me, you're to feed me. And she says to him, but I just have a little bit of meal in the barrel and a little bit of oil on the cruise. And I'm going to make myself a cake and my boy and I are going to eat it. And we're going to die. I wonder if I would have said, make me a cake first. I probably would turn around and say, I didn't mean to bother you. But he makes a statement to her. He said, if you'll make me a cake first, the barrel will not waste away, nor will the cruise of all go dry until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And God had her and him on his mind in the same time, but her need ministered to her need, and both of them got a miracle. In our lives, things happen. Joy and I were going to leave for a revival. We was driving this old car. I, I think I told you about it. Somebody gave us a car and the whole side was crushed in. And they had put a bumper sticker on the back bumper. In case of rapture, this car will self-destruct. So I'm sitting at a traffic light. And somebody's going, beep, beep, beep. And I'm, I'm getting upset. But the guy had me on his mind. And he pulled up around me and wrote his window down and said, hey, mister, you missed the rapture. Because that car looked like it self-destructed. That wasn't as bad. So now Joni gets in, Tim gets in, and we're going to leave, and a tire blows out. But then I got thinking about that later, not at the moment. But God probably saved us because we could have been going down the road and we could have had a blowout and got killed. But see, Sometimes we misunderstanding what's happening in our lives. When we were living pastoring in Tempe, Arizona, I was on the interstate heading to Prescott, and my car stopped. Now I had a good car. It was an LTD, nice car, and it just stopped. And I blamed the devil. You blame the devil for everything? And so I'm sitting there, and I don't know what to do. So I thought, well, I guess I ought to pray for the car. So after a few minutes, I prayed for the car, turned the key, and started. I, I'm going up the highway and up the hill to Prescott on that interstate, and if I'd have been there 10 minutes earlier, I would have been in a mass crash site where several cars had crashed. One person had came head on and started it all. And then I, what I misunderstood was that maybe God said to the car, you can't run right now. See, misunderstanding destroys us many times of seeing God. Because as we're his children, if you're born again, you're a child of God. You're a joint heir with Christ. And God has the final say about your life. 
The devil doesn't. Your mother-in-law doesn't. God does. And so if we look at what's happening in our life and not let the devil bum us out, how many knows the devil's main job is to get you to be bummed out? Well, I paid the tithe and I ain't got any money. Well, you didn't have any money until you got saved either. Some of you blew your paycheck the day you got it. But what's happening to us many times is God is working for our benefit. And if we will see that and be grateful for that, then we will see what God's doing and we will really be happy knowing that God is taking care of us. You know, around the world tonight, there are people that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. They've not been born again. In Kingman, it's the same way. How many knows that? The devil's in control of their life. They're messed up. Things are going bad, and even when they're going good, they're not good at all. And so when things come down upon them, they can't look for God in it. They can't look that God's trying to help them. But as Christians, you and I can look for him in every situation. But misunderstandings. There's people who say, well, I bought the tithing. I don't have any more money. Well, let me tell you about the tithing money. If you was a sinner, you'd blew it somewhere else anyway. And whether we got blessed or not because we bring the tithe, that's not the issue. The issue is we're born again. We're in our right mind. We got heaven as our home a perfect place where we'll never have another problem, where we walk on streets of gold, a place where it's pure joy and happiness, no sadness at all, no sickness, no more, you don't need any more things on your house in case somebody's trying to get in. How many's got them things on your house? Let's say, don't go to their houses, they know you're coming. I got one too, by the way, so. But see, what I'm trying to encourage you is, don't, when something's going in your life and it's not going the way you want, instead of being bummed out, look for Christ, he's there. And in the midst of whatever's going on, he will deliver you. See, we love the Bible stories. How many love Bible stories? How many loves it when they threw them in the lion's den? Have you ever seen a lion in person? In Africa, they're bigger than they are in the circus. They're nine and a half foot long from the tip of their nose to the end of their tail. Their paw prints are that big or bigger. So can you imagine getting thrown in the lion's den? You probably, we'd probably be ticked off. Because we, now we know how it ends up, but before, it looks like we're going to be lunch. And I'm sure when they threw them in the lion's den, they could have been bummed out. They could have totally said, where's God? He, but somehow, they weren't misunderstanding because they knew that all things are going to work together for good and that God's always with them, never leaves them. And so when they got there, God gave the lion's lockjaw. 
They wanted to eat, they couldn't. And so they were delivered. And so now we're happy to know that our God's big enough to deliver us from the lion's den. Can I hear of an amen? amen? How many wants to try it? See, that's the thing. Oh, but it happened to him, not me. So what I'm trying to say is where you're at and what's going on, God's always there. We love David taking a sling to a giant. We love the story how when they, Goliath said, why send a boy to me? I'm gonna cut your head off and feed you to the fowls there. And David said these great words. You come to me with a sword and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. This day the Lord will deliver you in my hand and I'm gonna cut your head off. Oh, we love it. But if you're here in Kingman walking down the street and somebody bigger than you ever seen before comes up to you, you're, you don't usually say, well, praise the Lord. You're saying, where's the car? Run. See, we love the truth of the word of God, but when it happens to us, many times it defeats us because we don't stop and think that nothing can happen to us that God doesn't permit. And with everything that happens, he's there. I said he's there. He's our deliverer, our healer, our provider. He sets us free. And no tape, no temptation taken us that was common to man. With every temptation we face, he'll deliver us. I bet it was a sight when that little lady dipped the last bit of meal out of her barrel and poured the last bit of oil out of the cruise. I bet that was a sight because they knew the barrel was empty and they knew the cruise of oil had went dry. And they could have had a pity party. They could have said, why me? But when he spoke for the Lord and said to her, if you'll make me a cake, it won't run dry. It loosed the power of God. I said it loosed the power of God. To that point, it hadn't multiplied. But he said, the Lord will make a way until the rain comes again. And immediately, meal came in that barrel. Where'd it come from? Cruz got it all back. Where'd it come from? It came from God. And so, as I'm thinking about misunderstandings, they could have had one. But instead, you know what they had? A miracle. A supernatural provision from God. And I'm declaring tonight we are here and no matter what we're facing or what it looks like, there's a God in heaven and it says Christ in us, the power of God. All of the angels are working for us. The Holy Spirit's working for us. And so when you're facing something that doesn't make sense, look to God because he will be there and he will deliver you, and he will make a way, and he is a provider if you can believe. I said, have you ever been misunderstood? I wonder how many times God's been misunderstood by us. Well, God said he'd take away, and where is he? Well, he's there. If you just shut your mouth and quit complaining, he might let you know he's there. And I'm, when I say you, I'm talking about me too. Because God is a provider. Now here's the man of God said, no rain till I speak the word. 
So he gets up and prophesies again, and he says, Nahab, you better get home and get home quick because it's a, there's a cloud in the sky and there's going to be a tremendous flood come from heaven of rain. And I bet he felt pretty good then, don't you? Because the rain began to fall until a, one of the great spokesmen for Jezebel said, what you did to my prophets, I'm going to get you before tomorrow. And I wonder if he said, oh, bummer. See, when the rains came, it's easy to lift your hands and praise. When the meal comes back in the barrel and the cruise of all is filled again, it's easy to praise God. <clears throat> but when the devil comes in and threatens you, how you and I react will determine the victory we have. See, when my brother-in-law came to live with us as a young man, my total thing in my wife was to help him. That he wouldn't be in drugs and stuff and that he might meet Jesus Christ. But sometimes when you do good, you're misunderstood. We took a church in Carbondale, Illinois that had 40 old people my age. Old people like you and some of you and me. <clears throat> and I was young then. I was, uh, let's see, I got to, I was about 28 years old, full of life. So we began to go to Southern Illinois University and begin to witness. And before long, we had 100 college kids come to every service. And my board called me to a meeting. For God so loved the world, he don't have boards and committees. <laughs> and I remember one old guy looked at me and said, we didn't hire you to bring those filthy college kids to our church. And I won't tell you what else he said. Grab my name plate. I had a name plate. Said Harry Hill's pastor. I like that name plate. And he picked it up and threw it against the wall. He said, we don't want those kids in our church anymore. You know what happened? They misunderstood what was happening. That church is closed today. They never reached anybody. When those old people died off, they closed it. They misunderstood. God was going to give them a revival. Young people, I'm talking about young people from around the world was coming. Students from Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. But they fought it and they didn't want it. So I did whatever good pastor ought to do. I got him in another church and I left town. And I thought, I'll never get old like those people. I'm not like them. I'm older, but I'm not like them. I'm like Howie, full of love and joy and peace. Oh, by the way, he, he filled in for me when I was sick. Did he do a good job? So take him to Taco Bell. That's his favorite place. <laughs> but I appreciate him preaching that night when I was so sick. You know, I, I know this isn't a rah-rah sermon. and You know, I, 
lightning's not come from heaven, but this is where we live. This is what real life is. And every time God's ready to do something in your life or mine or our lives together, the devil will begin to pick at us and cause people to say things about us or accuse us of things we've not done. And how we react to that will determine the blessing of God in the future in our lives. So what does the prophet do that cause the rain to stop and that causes it to come again? Causes the lady's barrel to be full and crews of all to be full? What does he do when he heard she's after him? He ran. Instead of saying, ho, ho, well, if God can stop the rain, cause it to come again and fill the barrel, who cares what Jezebel says? Who cares? But no, he misunderstood what was happening. God knew she'd do that. God knew that was gonna come and God would have had a great victory for him if he would have just looked for God in that situation. In my life and your life, Things are going to happen and they are happening that we don't understand. And if we react to the things that's happening to us, if it's negative, it's going to hinder what God's trying to do. Just recently, somebody said, I've been praying for them for years and it's doing no good. Well, that didn't help it. Bible said, look not at what you see, but what you don't see. And I'm gonna preach on that next time, so you come. Because what you see is temporary, and what you don't see is eternal. I'm telling you, there's a God working for you. He knows your name. He knew you before you was in your mother's womb. He chose you. He chose you. He put you on this earth. And he has a destiny for your life and my life and for our lives together. And we can't be moved by what's said or what's doing or what it looks like. We are moved because God's for us and if God's for us, who can be against us? We got a God that we can bind on earth and be bound in heaven. We got a God that'll pour out his spirit on us if we'll believe. You say, well, I've been believing for revival. Where is it? Well, that's the problem. What do you mean, where is it? You gotta believe for it. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. He said, in the last days, when iniquity abounds and the love of many shall wax cold, I'm gonna pour my spirit out. So God has great things. I wish you were like a bingo. My mother made me go to bingo when I was a kid. You'd be sitting around all these women. Here I was a little boy and all these women they got all these things we're putting on the bingo cards, you know, chips everywhere flying. They got more bingo cards than they got brains. I mean, they got tables of bingo cards <laughs> everywhere. And they'd be quiet, and all of a sudden say, Bingo! <laughs> you ever been to one? Man, if they won the cover all back there, it was $100. That's a lot of money. They wasn't ashamed about it. They didn't deny it. They didn't say what's happening to me. They hollered bingo. Well, church, it's time for bingo. 
It's time for God to bless our lives. It's time for God to make a way when there's no way. There's time where God's gonna bind the devil and pour out his spirit. But you and I have to be careful because we'll look at things and misunderstand what's happening. I bet there's people in this building right now that when you go to Walmart and said, I wish those beggars wasn't there. Now don't raise your hand. Don't raise. Well, maybe they're there because they need Jesus. And they need somebody to show them some love. And if nothing else, give them a dollar because them dogs are hungry. I feel sorry for the dogs. Poor dogs out in the hot air and cold air. But anyway, moving right out of this one to another. It's an opportunity. God's called us to win the world. He's called us that we'll share the gospel with sinners in Kingman, Arizona. Whether they're begging for money or whether they're staggering down the street or whether they're our neighbors, good people, they need Jesus Christ. And so we can misunderstand the opportunity God's given us. Do you hear me? We can misunderstand what's going on here. You say there's drugs everywhere. Well, Jesus wants to be everywhere, and he can set the drug addict free. There's crime everywhere. Well, Jesus specializes in crime, and he can change that criminal into a good person, a Christian that knows him and doing good. But so many times, am I just preaching to me? We misunderstand what's going on. And we need to stop sometimes and just put it in park. And as we look at our lives as individuals and as a church, we need to say, you know, nothing can happen to me if I'm a child of God that God doesn't permit. And if he permits it, he's going to give me victory in it. And sometimes what looks like a horrible thing can be a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing if we'll just see God in it. I was pastor in Illinois and we had this couple, great couple. They're a the great couple. And they were praying for sinners. And they would go out and witness and bring people to church. And so the neighbors sold the house their next door neighbor, and in it was some young people that partied all the time. So they came to me and said, Pastor, will you help me? Let's pray that God will move them out of that house. I said, well, God moved them in the house. Because you tell me you're praying God give you souls, and you go out and witness and knock on doors, and he put a party right beside you. And what you're missing is, this is the greatest opportunity you've ever had in the neighborhood. Because those people needed Jesus. But so many times, we misunderstand what's going on. I'm, I'm preaching, I hope before it's over, you get encouraged, that no matter what it looks like, God's there. I said he's there. He was there when David threw the rock. I believe, I know he probably was good, but I believe David could have slung it, rock, and the giant beat him and threw it that way and God gave a U-turn and bring it back and kill him because God was in it.
I believe that. When they threw those men in the fiery furnace, and it was so hot that the men that threw them in, they got burned up. These guys could have been upset and say this isn't fair, but I somehow believe they were still trusting God, and when they got in there, Jesus was there, and they had a Bible study in the midst of that flaming furnace. And when the king bowed down and looked in there, said, how many did you throw in there? They said, we threw three, old king. He said, that's strange. There's four and one's the son of God. The guy called the son of God, Jesus, is with you no matter where you're at or what you're going through. And I'm trying to do this. I'm trying better. I've been a Christian since I was 17, 60 years. I've been pastoring for 55 years. I started preaching the day I got saved on street corners in a mission. So I've been preaching my whole life. And sometimes I don't like me because I like to complain sometimes instead of trust. Now, I know none of you are. You all pray for me. I, I know I'm the only one that away in. But I've been asking God to help me see him in every situation. Not to be moved by what's happening, but be moved by who I belong to. I say we ought to be moved by who we belong to. All the heaven's rooting for us. In the arena of life, the grandstand of heaven's pulling for you. And they're cheering because they know you can be victorious in every area of your life, just like I could. But we have to battle this thought of trying to figure out or misunderstanding what's really going on, but to really trust God in spite of what's going on and watch God do a miracle in our lives. There's a great preacher And this guy was on the street corner. This preacher pastors the big church in New York. I'm trying to think of his name. They got the choir. What is it? Help me somebody or I'll sing. What's that? Does anybody know that choir in that big church in New York where his wife directs the choir? I can't think of it. Yeah, what's it called? Brooklyn Tabernacle. He's preaching one Sunday. There had been a man laying at the side door that was going to the bathroom on himself, drinking, throwing up everywhere. And people would pass him by and the stench was so bad people didn't want anything to do with him. And one day the pastor's preaching. Zimbala's his name, Pastor Zimbala. And this guy walks in and sits a bunch of people, moves in beside him. Now, he's all dirty, human stuff on him and smelling terrible. And he's watching the preacher preach. And at the end of the sermon, he leaves that balcony and comes down to the preacher. And Pastor Zimbala, if you want to get one of his, the CDs, he'll tell you on that. His first thought he had was, he wants money. So he said, I would reach in my pocket. I was getting ready to give him money. <clears throat> and he said, that man come down. Said, I don't want your money. I want that Jesus you talked about. 
And he said he put his arms around him. Filthy. Stinking. And Pastor Zimbala said that smell became a wonderful smell because Jesus had brought him in there to change his life. And what looked like something that was causing problems and coming in the church, he met Christ. And today, he has a voice to sing, and God used him in a powerful way. And it would have been real easy for Pastor Zimbala that day to say, get away from me. Amen. Or the church ushers could have grabbed him and said, you're not coming in here. Sometimes when it looks so wrong, it can be so right. Do you hear me? It can look so wrong to you and me, but it can be so right because heaven's orchestrating it. God help me and God help you and us to not misunderstand about Kingman and what's going on, potholes or no potholes. Are you listening to me? God wants to do something great through our lives. And when something comes against you or me that we might not like or understand, we just need to stop and say, you know what, God? If I belong to you, and you have chosen me before I was in my mother's womb, and you're in my life, I'm not going to complain or try to figure I'm just going to see the glory of God. If you'll do that, it'll make life much better. When we pastored in Nairobi, Kenya, East Africa, our church grew to 1,000 to 2,000 every service. It was a slum called Kibera Slum. In there was over a million people in an area where we wouldn't put 10,000 of us. They all lived in mud huts. Sometimes if they had a little money, they'd have a metal roof, dirt floors, and they'd sleep side by side on the dirt floors and rats and all kinds of things would run over them. Their children died because they didn't have a dollar for medicine. To go to school out of the slums, you have to pay. It's not free. They want, the kids want to learn, and kids do learn, but they can't go unless somebody buys them a uniform. They did something there that blew me away the first sermon I preached. We had a gate, and we had just a war around our property. Today it's beautiful. We planted bushes. I grew up. It's beautiful there now. But we would stand by the gate, and no one would go home unless we shook their hand. I'm just going to be real frank with you. They don't have toilet paper. So imagine. They have no bathrooms, no running water, no electricity. The only water they get is if mama or the mother of the house walks two miles with a big jug on her head, and if the city turns the faucet on, they get water. If not, they don't have it. It was so bad one year during the dry season that rains didn't come that sewage ran down a trough down through the thing, and they were draining the liquid off of it, boiling it so they'd have something to drink. And we got it bad, right? 
So Joni and I would stand at the gate and they would grab our hands. They'd take your hand with both of theirs and hold it like that. And all they wanted me to say was, God bless you. And a smile would come on their face and they'd go home to nothing. In America, we have exit doors so they don't have to shake pastor's hands. You know what, folks? Sometimes when you have nothing, you're more spiritual. Because the more we get, the more we want. Isn't that true? The more we get, the more we want. So here, let me say this to you. So Joni and I, for more than an hour, had to greet people. And then we couldn't touch our face with our eyes or anything because of what was on their hands. It would be terrible. So after we did that, we'd get in the old Range Rover we had, drive home and have to take lava soap. You know what that is? How many know what that is? And to scrub ourselves. But what an honor it was. I miss standing at that fence because we had thousands of people that they really wanted God and they really would come to church and you know what our problem was? They didn't want to go home. They sang two hours before I could even preach. And then when I'm done and I had to use a turbo, they stayed there all day singing, waiting for me to come back that night. You know what I learned? I didn't help them, but they sure helped me. One day, they invited my wife and I to come to their hut. I've shared the story. They couldn't afford a Coke. Remember I shared that where I did? Because it would take three days' wages. So if you made $100 a day, would you pay $300 for Coke? No, you wouldn't. They never have candy bars. They can't afford it. And I shared this with you. You know, there there's seven or eight teenage boys, Christmas time, they had one bottle, a little bottle of Coke, and they'd each take a sip and pass it around. And I said to my interpreter, what are they doing? They said they'd never tasted it before, and they're giving it to each other for Christmas. They chipped and bought it. We had a boy, uh, well, he was a man, he was probably 22 at the time, that helped guard our house. We had to have guards 24 hours a day. And he was one of my main men. And my wife was disinfecting apples. Over there, if you buy a dozen eggs, you have to put them down disinfect. And then you disinfect your hands and you crack them if you're gonna use them or you put them in the refrigerator and you had to wash your hands again because of things gets on those things. And she said to Wycliffe, Wycliffe, would you like an apple? She held it to the window. And he says, I don't know. She said, what do you mean? He said, I don't know. And she said, what do you mean? He said, I've never tasted it. I don't know. <clears throat> he can't afford an apple. They have to get their apples from South Africa, so he couldn't afford one. It'd take a week's wages to, for an apple. She hands him the apple. We tried to stop him. He didn't know. He ate the core, the stem, and everything. <laughs> and he looked at us. He said, so delicious. You know, 
I could look at that and say, it's not fair. Or why does God let that happen? But you know what? Those, those folks are happy. They can't wait to get to church and they don't want to leave. I'm already over my time, but I'm going to finish it. I didn't preach for a while. So the doors are locked. No, they're not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So let me say this to you. I went there to be a blessing, and I trust that I did help them what I could. We did have a good name. The president of Kenya sent a lady to my service on a Sunday, and all these Mercedes came down through the slums, and these men chased people off the back pews and sit them there, and it, I knew it was like the FBI in America. And so after church, one of the guys come and said, come with me. And I thought, oh, Lord. They go throw me in jail. What are they going to do? And he introduced me to a lady, and she said to me, President Moy heard about what you do here and that you built this extra building and you're educating these kids and feeding them. And he wanted to come, but he had to be out of the country, so he sent me to thank you for what you're doing. And we've decided to give you this land for a dollar a year for 100 years. And, and they said, see all those shanties on, is that your land? I said, yeah. Is that your people? No. I went back to church six day and they weren't there no more because God gave us favor. You know, I could look at that and there was tough times over there. We ate mostly rice. We couldn't afford to buy good meat very much because it was so expensive to get two pounds of cheese and a pound of, I guess it would be like roast meat from a place in a real upscale Kenya where an Oriental ran it would cost $45 back then. But as I look back, there was times I didn't like and times that I wonder what was going on, but as I look back, I understand. God was not only using me to do something for them, but they did something for me. I miss those filthy hands grabbing my hand. Because I knew they loved me. And they knew I came from America. And they've seen pictures of America in magazines with people giving them. And they're, no wonder everybody wants to come to America. If I was a Kenyan in Kibera slum, I'd be heading to America if I could get here. Because we flip a switch and we got light. We turn a faucet and we got water. They'll never have that. So we're blessed tonight, church. We are so blessed. And we cannot let what's happening in our everyday life affect us because God's in it all. He's in the wind when you say it's too windy. And the rains come. When I think about Kingman, people stay home when it's raining, bad weather. But God sends the rains, doesn't he? And you know what? I just want to close with this thought. You're so important to God. Every one of you individually are very important to God.
And so the next time something's happening that maybe no makes sense to you or you wonder, it's not fair, <coughs> or what am I going to do? Don't say that. Say, God, you're here. I'm looking for you. And he will come and make what looks totally impossible possible. And what totally seems you can never do, he'll help you do it. Because God is in us and will never leave us. Look at your neighbor. Look at him. You know, he blessed you. They're sitting right by you tonight. Think about that. Howie, you're blessed. No, not Howie. Well, you're blessed too, Howie. <laughs> you are blessed. You got that woman there, that woman. And John, you're blessed. Your friends come to see you. And you guess what? Any day now, the trump of God could sound. The day it'll be raised and we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. We are blessed people. And we're, let's make a decision tonight. We're going to not be moved by what's going on. We're going to be moved by who we belong to. Stand with me. Raise your hands and thank Jesus you belong to him. Just lift your voice and thank him. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you that we belong to you and that you're going to meet every need and you're going to make the crooked ways straight. Hallelujah. Bless your name. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.